Welcome to the AgriDigital podcast. At AgriDigital, we connect day in, day out with the movers and shakers powering the grains industry. And now we're sharing these conversations with you. I'm your host, Katrina Stanislaw, Head of Region for AgriDigital in North America. In this episode, I'm joined by Kevin Baum, CEO and co-founder of AgriWeb. AgriWeb's livestock enterprise management enables livestock farmers, ranchers, and supply chain innovators to capture real-time data for better decisions, greater profitability, and connectivity. Join us for a global perspective on livestock farming, how digitizing farm data opens up a world of possibility for the farmer and the supply chain, and Kevin's take on what is coming down the pike in ag. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's exciting. So first of all, where are you? Uh, I am outside of Denver, Colorado. Um, I moved over here to the U.S. Uh, back in April after spending about seven years in Australia. And so I'm originally from the States, so it's really exciting to be a whole lot closer to home. I'm not actually at home. I grew up in Maryland, but uh, people always say, oh, it must be awesome to go home. And I'm like, well, still a bit further out than that. But um, no, it's amazing to be back in the U.S. and um, excited to be you know, bringing this business here that I've been working on for so long. I'm sure you are. And I know you've been on the move a lot the past few years between your work um, in the U.S., but also Australia and the U.K. So, Kevin, I, you have a sort of non-traditional or non-typical journey to co-founding an ag tech company. So it'd be great if you could share with us how you ended up here doing what you're doing with AgriWeb. Sure, absolutely. So, um, like I said, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I went to school out on the West Coast. Um, Kind of at that time where everyone and their dog um, thought that the coolest thing to do was was um, get into social media. So by the time I graduated, um, you know, everyone was trying to get involved with Twitter and Facebook. And you know, while there was a lot of money made there, um, it didn't quite resonate with me. I didn't quite understand what value this was actually adding to the world. And so I moved back east and I worked in the energy space. And a lot of my work was with early stage companies and with with new technologies and bringing new technologies to market. And to me, this was exciting because, you know, one, the, I think the early stage personally resonates with me and like, you know, doing something that has real impact from from nothing. But also this was a real industry. You know, if you look and look forward, you know, 500 years, um, you know, we're going to need energy and we're going to need food and we're going to need medicine and, and infrastructure and water we're not going to need TikTok, and so um, you know it was great to sort of find, feel like this is technology that that matters. Um, and so I knew that was what I wanted to do, and but I didn't know how. I didn't know where to begin. So I went back to graduate school, um, where I met my co-founder Justin Webb, and his background was in in the business world. He had built and sold a few businesses, particularly in the in the finance space. But similarly, um, you know, he was having an inflection point of, is this, is this all that is? Is this really what I want to do with my life? And his familial background was off of a ranch in Australia. His father had grown up in a ranch um, and, and ranching was sort of in their blood and, and five generations of ranching in their, in their family tree. And so, you know, Agrib really started to scratch uh, their itch. It was, you know, a guy who had, who had seen the power of numbers, getting more involved in the family property and asking questions around how can we use data to make this a better business and drive this business forward and, and seeing that the tools that existed at the time were inadequate. They were not, um, you know, they were not user friendly. Um, you know, they, they were desktop based, they were legacy and, um, you know, they didn't operate the way a modern rancher does. And, and here we are walking around, this is back in 2015, 
you know, here we are all walking around with a supercomputer in our pocket. Um, you know, why don't we do something with that? So he started talking to me about this problem he, you know, he was trying to solve on his family property and now he wasn't seeing what he needed. And he asked me what I thought. And I said, I think that I don't know a lot about agriculture. I'll, I'll admit, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not my world. And he invited me down and I went and lived on his ranch for a while um, and, and just shadowed the manager. And I still didn't really, I, I would be lying if I said I really truly understood the industry then. But what I did understand is that it was an amazing one. And I was really excited about the opportunity and, and the value I thought we could bring. And, and I think a big point in that was realizing that the value doesn't, the value starts on ranch and the value starts on farm. And that is the, the epicenter of this industry. It's, it's, and it's currently a black box. But if you can fill that black box um, and, and help to bring tools that, that digitize what's happening for a primary producer, you can also start to solve other problems around the industry and, and connect producers, you know, beyond the ranch, beyond the farm, um, and continue to add value in other ways and, and really leverage, um, you know, that farm production. So that was also really exciting to me. Um, you know, we talk about living for the rancher at AgRev. It's one of our core values. Um, and so everything we do has to be bringing value back. Um, but ultimately, you know, we don't just work with ranchers. We work with ranchers. We work with supply chains. We work with, you know, consultants and and advisors and financial advisors and anyone who's going to bring value back to our core customers, the ranchers. So I went back to the U.S. to finish the story up because um, I'm rambling and prattling on. I went back to the U.S. and, you know, was really excited by all that and and decided, you know what, this is this is what I want to dedicate my life to. So um, packed up my bags um, and a few months later moved back to Australia and we kicked things off. It's such a great story, Kevin. And, you know, it, I love hearing you talk about it because we really, um, we share a focus, right, between AgriWeb and AgriDigital issues that are near and dear to our heart. And that's the digitization starting at the farm, at the ranch, and what that does for that business and helping them simplify and improve and then the implications throughout the value chain. And so it's, it's really compelling how you talk about it. Um, so this was, you know, you talked about your starting journey, um, the why, and you've made um, a number of big moves at AgriWeb of late, including launching AgriWeb Connect, and I think this fall. Can you talk about uh, the why of that, the difference that it's made and what you're seeing a couple months in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the why of that is, you know, I guess what we were talking about a moment ago, which is um, the, the value chain for a producer extends beyond the farm gate or the ranch gate. And, um, you know, we always knew that, you know, the data we were collecting was going to be immensely valuable to farm performance, to production, to improving efficiencies, but it could also be valuable, you know, beyond that uh, and, and helping producers connect with the critical stakeholders they deal with every day, people that they sell to, people that they buy from, people who advise them. And we want to empower those people with, with data to help improve what's happening on ranch. And so AgriWeb Connect um, is basically the only supply chain management solution that I'm aware of in the ag industry that's powered by, at least in the livestock industry, excuse me, not the ag, the livestock industry that's powered by real-time animal data. Um, you know, there's other tools out there. There's other solutions out there that are based on, you know, phone banks and, you know, surveys and all this painful, you know, means that people go to to collect data that ultimately is already obsolete uh, by the time they actually get it. So what we're looking for is a platform that gives the future forward um, market leaders, you know, in production an understanding of their supply chain at every level of detail. So they can, you know, they can do macro comparisons of KPIs. They can go all the way down to unit level reporting and have that be in real time. 
And what that does for the producer is give them access to value-added programs, to new markets. You know, the, the way that consumers are putting pressure on this industry is getting overwhelming. But you can look at that as a, as a pain point, or you can look at that as an opportunity. And I think the most innovative producers out there see how they can make, you know, there's, there's a willingness to, to pay. Uh, they can make more money for their product. They can, they can join these schemes. They can get involved in a way that, that puts more money in their back pocket. And so, you know, Agro Connect is a tool that really connects these producers and these value-added um, supply chains together. And then brings data back to the producers. You know, there's, there's a black box often on farm and on ranch, but there's also a black box um, after it goes into processing. And so enabling those supply chains to then provide that data back to the producers so that they can iterate and improve their business over time um, is probably the second key um, you know, piece of value that's coming back to the ranch. So we're really excited about it. We've got you know, some of the biggest you know, supply chains um, in the world. We've got you know, different uh, groups within them operating. Uh, on AgriWeb in the UK, uh, in Australia, and in the US. And it's it's something that we're really excited about evolving and bringing forward. So interesting, Kevin. Can you, um, I want to dig a, one layer deeper into that. Could you talk sure. us through like a, a short example for, let's say, a rancher in the US, um, if, they were, if they were using AgriWeb Connect, what would be one use case or one potential scenario? Well, one thing to be clear is that, um, you know, nothing happens without the uh, agreement of the rancher. The the rancher ultimately owns their data. And, you know, we see data as a huge tool that ranchers can use to add value. So they get to decide where and when it gets used. But it's, so it's less about using um, Agrib Connect and more about, you know, if they want to, um, you know, join or get involved in a value-added scheme, if they want to join a, um, you know, supply chain that has, you know, specific data requirements of consumer visibility but is but is ultimately giving them more them more dollars per pound. Um, you know they now have the ability to do that, and so it's it's a tool ultimately for the supply chains. But it's one that you know any farmer can join if they want to join that supply chain, and it gives a really instant and painless way for them to get the data they need over to those to those supply chains that are going to pay them a premium for for that product. And so that there's not this this painful data capture process. It's just all done. They've already got the information there, and it's just getting it where it needs to be so that they can you know, verify what they've done and, and get their premium for it. And so that would be how there's no difference for the producer. You know, they're just using AgriWeb, um, but they're just saying, you know what, I'm ready to make more money, you know, for my produce. And uh, here's, here's uh, how I'm going to do that. Yeah, great. That's super interesting. Um, Kevin, one of the things I want to get your insight is on regenerative agriculture. And it's particularly interesting for our conversation because this is an area where crops and livestock really uh, intersect. And curious to hear what you are hearing from ranchers, from livestock farmers. Um, there's a lot of hype around regenerative agriculture. And are you seeing that translate into change? And if so, how? And if not, um, what, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think, look, the first thing I'm hearing is exactly what you said. There, there's a lot of hype. And I think what's unfortunate about this conversation and, and maybe a, a commentary on the world today is that things so quickly get um, misconstrued and manipulated and politicized. And, you know, I think regenerative agriculture as a concept has quickly fallen into that camp. Um, the reality is regenerative agriculture isn't a specific thing. Um, there is no definition out there of what regenerative agriculture is. It's a very broad term that covers a whole lot of agricultural management practices that are not new. This is not a new concept. It's an umbrella of a lot of things that producers have been doing for you know centuries to improve production, and 
you know, there have been big shifts in what happened in agriculture, particularly in World War II, where there was a tectonic shift to labor, that uh, tectonic, sorry, impact um, um, shock to the labor force that moved a lot of people off of farms and into factories, moved a lot of people overseas, and it changed the way that we think about how do we increase yields. Um, and that's changed a few things. And, and some of the principles and concepts of regenerative agriculture are just simply, you know, reverting back this time, not with the aid of, of a larger labor force, but with the aid of technology, back to practices um, that ultimately are just about improving production. You know, and it gets, it gets sucked into conversations about carbon um, and, and, you know, climate change and those kinds of things, which, you know, is, is something that you can talk about with regenerative agriculture. But to me, as someone who's, you know, producer focused, what's more compelling is, okay, how do we increase soil nitrogen? How do we increase soil carbon? How do we increase water retention to make, you know, properties more drought resistant? How do we increase stocking rates? How do we increase, um, you know, revenue opportunity by giving producers, you know, um, diversified ways that they can make money? How can we uh, reduce pest um, impact? How can we reduce input costs by, by you know, using less inputs? And, and that is something that should be compelling to any producer. You know, this is targeting the top line of increasing revenue or, or diversifying revenue. It's targeting the bottom line um, by reducing input costs or increasing, you know, yields and increasing production. And ultimately, it's it's different. It, 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 there's no playbook here. It, it's different in every state. It's different in every region. And so I think that it's it's an exciting concept. There's exciting principles. And, and what I'm seeing on the ground is a lot of producers that are into those concepts and into, you know, ways that they can improve their profitability, improve their cost of production, but are rightfully probably put off by the commentary that's erupted around this and, and the way that people misconstrue it and the way that people, you know, take these these terms, and these principles and put them into their own bias and put them into you know, some other conversation that they're trying to push a barrel on. And so, um, you know, what I see is that this is a positive uh, thing for producers and the fact that consumers are interested in it, willing to pay for it, makes it even more positive thing. But ultimately, um, this is just about how do we enable and facilitate some of the, the means of production that existed, you know, a long time ago um, that have been a struggle to achieve without the same labor force um, in the United States or in, around the globe. And I think that's really exciting and interesting. And so, you know, it's, I think the biggest part of this um, for, for us is around education. That Look, there's no, there's no playbook that we're asking you to do. We're just not trying to facilitate you looking at your business and finding you know, the biggest things that you can improve through changing management, through changing practice, um, and through diversification. And, and I think that's something that anyone should be excited by. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, I, I love how you frame this, Kevin. And a couple of years ago, my former business partner actually gave me, um, he picked up a used book sale, a second grade textbook on agriculture from 1908, I think. Right. And reading through it was just incredible because it literally was, you know, everything that is now hip and trendy. Um, this was second grade education, right? And, exactly. uh, and so it's back to fundamentals. But what you're also hitting at, which is the point that I think too often gets lost in sort of a dialogue of either it's sustainability focused or it's economics is that it's got to make sense financially in the short yep. term and the long term for the producer. Um, and that often is, as you say, sort of lost in the politicization of some of this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, you know, I think that 
there's there's a lot of rightful skepticism out there, but I think that this is something the industry should embrace because I think it only presents opportunity and it only presents improvement. And you know, this this industry is tasked with feeding, you know, multiple billion more people in the next 15 to 20 years, while simultaneously having way more demands being put on it from the consumers, from retailers, from supermarkets, from processors. Um, and it's, and, you know, there's, there's, we've got to embrace these kind of solutions as the bridge to the future of the industry. Um, so I think it's exciting and I, and I, but I will, I want to continue to bring the conversation back to like, how are we making producers more money and how are we making their lives easier? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to shift a little bit, but, um, we're talking a lot about sort of global and regional, and we are both Australian founded companies that are, um, have gone global. And it's, the problem is the same one, right? It's that under digitization and ag is a global problem and our solutions work globally. But we, you and I have talked about this in, in other forums. Um, there are certainly cultural, environmental and market differences um, between different countries. Can you point to um, one or two of the big differences you see working with livestock farmers in the U.S. versus in Australia and your work in the U.K.? Sure. Um, look, I think that, uh, the, the most striking, um, well start, let's start with the, the market there, there's some big market differences between Australia and the UK. And by that, I mean, in, in Australia, in our space, there's larger businesses. There's not nearly as many. Um, and they tend to be all of a, of a larger size. In the U.S., you have a huge long tail of very small producers who it may not be their primary income source, but there's a lot of people that will have a few cattle out back or, or run a small farming enterprise uh, versus Australia where it's a lot more consolidated. So that's one thing. And I think the second thing in our space in the livestock industry is there's much more um, feedlot um interaction that goes on most most cattle end up running through a feedlot versus australia it's not nearly as much so there's some there's some market dynamics in play but ultimately a cow is a cow is a cow and you know the fundamentals and principles of the industry are the same regardless of where you are in the world and that's something we believe firmly and try to you know try to try to push um i think you also mentioned there's um some cultural differences and and there absolutely are um you know in the u.s you know, producers are, are very focused on performance, on dollars. They're very innovative. They're always looking for a leg up. Um, I think it's been, you know, it's been awesome, our, our reception in the U.S., because people out here, they're always, it's a very, you know, U.S. mentality thing. They're always looking for innovation, always looking for the next ways that they can improve their business. And they're willing to give things a chance. You know, they're not as interested in compliance um, like they are in Australia, because there's not that kind of compliance load. But on the flip side in the U.S., I think there's been there's sort of a cultural aversion and fear to data um, and to data being weaponized against against people, um, you know, whether it's, you know, not just not just farmers or, or, or producers or ranchers, but just humans in general. And I think that's part of the culture over here is there's a skepticism of people, whether it's large corporations, whether it's governments, you know, using data as a weapon, whereas we see data as the ultimate tool and the ultimate value uh, to someone. So that's something I think we're, you know, seeing and, and trying to, you know, educate on how, um, no, data is actually an amazing tool. And then this is why you as the producer own your data, um, you know, when you use our platform. Um, on the Australian side of things, um, you know, it, they're, they're more comfortable with that. You know, they're used to that. It's not as big of a fear. But I would say that, you know, the, the, 
value that we've seen over there often is a little bit more around that compliance. It's a little bit more around record keeping and, and it's not as much around future transformation. They feel comfortable with how they're running it. They just want it to be more, more efficient. Whereas in the U S producers are really thinking about the next big, the next big evolution. So it has been interesting to see those sort of subtle cultural dynamics and, and how we can simultaneously meet people where they are, but try to show them you know, different ways of thinking and educate them on, on value they can get. But also, also at the end of the day, I would say that the similarities are far more prevalent and, and bigger than the differences are. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, a cow is a cow is a cow. It's a really interesting perspective. And curious if you have a sense of the fear of data in the US, of the roots of that. Have you gotten a read on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, in this industry specifically, I think that there's been a history of companies or, you know, larger supply chain players using uh, software and data to screw down margins on producers and using it almost against the producer, using it as a way to get insight into what they're doing and almost punish them in effect for that insight rather than help them. Yeah. And so I think there's, you know, I think it's uh, when I say that there's a there's an aversion, there's a fear to it. I'm not. That's not a criticism. I think it's understandable. I understand why people feel that way. But we want to flip that narrative on its head and say that you can use data to improve your business. You can use data to get new market access. You are the owner of your data, and it is an incredibly, you know, powerful uh, and and valuable thing to have. And, and you should be the one who's getting value from it, not, not the packer or not someone else upstream. Um, so I, I think that's where it comes from. Um, and it's, you know, it's, we are a data company and we are providing data tools for people to run better businesses. So we got to make sure that we address that head on. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. Um, so I'm going to ask you one last question, and that is uh, AgriWeb does some great reports, and you've got your 2022 trends report to watch out for. Um, coming up soon, probably will be out by That's the right. time this is. I'd love if you can give us um, a really quick sneak peek. Are there one or two things that, that bubble up that farmers, ranchers should have their eyes on for the coming year? So unfortunately, we haven't we haven't finished uh, the consolidation of the data, so I can't give any insights right now. I can't give any sneak peeks, but um, no, we do have. We're going to be releasing this report in January called the uh, State of the Global Farmer Report. You know, particularly focused on livestock producers. We've got you know almost a thousand responses right now, so it's a really broad range of producers, and it's focused on them and and what's interesting and what's problematic and what people's fears and opportunities are and what people are seeing in different regions, different areas, and different business types. Um, and the goal of this um, is to make it really simple and digestible and and give producers you know the tools to improve their business. You know, it's you know we the producers you know need to work together, and, and I think sometimes. You know, people look over the farm gate and view, um, you know, view someone over there as, you know, something they're competing against. But that's not the case. We're all in this together and we're all working together to try and find how we can improve this industry as a whole. Um, so I'm really excited to see, you know, what we come out of it. And we're going to also be, um, you know, talking through um, some of those conclusions uh, in future conversations. So stay tuned and please look out for that. Well, we will definitely share that when it comes out. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. It's always so good to talk. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's great to um, catch up again. Thank you for joining us today. We really value your ratings and reviews, and we'll be back soon with more great conversations.